Julian Pensavale. Patrick Hines. Ooh, I think we really nailed the da Yeah. Didn't one of your fancy Broadway friends be like, you guys actually aren't harmonizing? <laughs> Ellen, girl, <laughs> we know. Say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Harmony's Sorry. not what we're going for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Before we get to the show, yeah, we gotta tell the people, oh. everybody, two big things to know. Yeah, February 9th, mm-hmm. two live shows, New yes. York City. Yeah, we're doing that crazy Manson documentary. Manson. You guys, seven o'clock, nine thirty. We're doing a five p.m. meetup. So everybody who wants to come to the show, maybe wants to come solo, maybe coming with friends, but wants to make other friends and go yeah. to the show together. Yeah, that's your that's your time, everybody. Exactly. Hang out and get hammered <laughs> together. Get tickets to our February live shows. Yep, and. I really want to drive home the fact that we have now on our Patreon. Yeah, look at your face. You're squeaking. (laughs) You're squeaking. That's how I know. That's how you know it's important, everybody. We have complete episode by episode coverage of the Jinx serial season one. Yep. And the staircase. And this week we are starting the first episode of Making a Murderer. You guys, you can binge. The Staircase, The Jinx, and Serial Season 1 right now. Right now. That's like 30 plus TCO apps. Yeah. If you join our Patreon and, and support us. And when people are bummed where it's like, oh my God, like I, I'm done binging The Jinx. What do I do? You listen to us binge it. Exactly. You listen to us watch it and talk about it. <laughs> it's a great time to support us on Patreon. Yeah. And get all these apps commercial free, mm-hmm. extended outtakes. Yeah. The, the Queen of Versailles and Madonna Truth or Dare. <laughs> of course. Obviously. <laughs> and get into the, become part of the Patreon fam. We're a cult. It's so much fun. Not a sex cult. Not, not yet. No, not a sex cult. <laughs> We're working on it though, you guys. <laughs> Girl. Girl. What did you think of Dreamkiller? I loved it. You did? Yeah. Welcome back. I know. <laughs> well, this is you know this is so my wheelhouse. It's Zellner Clock. It's Zellner Clock. It's like the it's a happy ending, but yes. it's a shitty story. Totally. Ten years in the making, but a somewhat happy ending. Yeah, super hot kid all the way through. Wrongful convictions. Yeah. Super Justice. Hot kid. Yeah. Gorgeous guy. Courtroom drama. <laughs> And Zellner at her peak. Zellner has so many quotable lines. She does. Zellner has no time for your <laughs> shit. It is Zellner o'clock and there's no time for your shit. All right, 911. Uh-huh. You know the reporter at the Tribune that was murdered? I know what happened and I know the murderer. Without warning, Ryan Ferguson strangled the victim to death. I'm not involved in this in any way. He had his foot on the victim's back and he was pulling up on the belt. I didn't know what I'd done that night. If it was a memory or a dream. Hello. This is Brian. An inmate at the Boone County Jail. Oh my God. How you doing? As time went on, I realized I needed to become proactive. Some people say, oh my gosh, he's kind of gone around the bend. He'll never be okay until Ryan's out. One day, one person said, I have some information I'd like to share with you. 100% that was not Ryan Ferguson's He is not the guy. There's seven unidentified prints, and it excludes them. Most places never would have pursued the case. It's all about winning. We're protecting the verdict at any cost. I know that a lot of people think, oh, this could never happen to me. 
Trust me, this could happen to you. They can take your freedom. They can take you and put you in a cell with nothing. And they can't take my mind, they can't take my body, no matter what. All right, girl, get us started. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> well, I love things where it's like, I wonder where that comes back. You know, oh, where yeah. like they kind of mess with time, but not too much where it's hard to take notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we meet Bill Ferguson, who's Ryan Ferguson's dad. Yes. And he's on the stand. And what's your relationship to Ryan? He's my son. And I'm totally convinced that he is innocent. It's crazy because when this moment comes back, we find out that th- that what you guys just heard yeah. happened like 10 seconds after his son was convicted of this murder. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about, and Facebook people, please help me understand, like, I guess it's state by state, but there are some things that happen in that courtroom I where totally I'm like, agree. I didn't know that was a thing. I and I was like, I guess it is in Missouri, but, <laughs> ooh. So if wait, you guys can wait, help wait, me wait. Out, How did you say it? They say Missouri. <laughs> Well, this one guy does with his accent, but it's Missouri, everybody. Come on. We get So we get this voiceover, like, right at the top. I think it's this guy, Chuck. It's Chuck Erickson, yeah. Where was I when this guy got killed? I didn't know what I'd done that night. I didn't know if it was memory or if it was a dream. I assumed that if I'd done it, Ryan and I did it to get more money for drinks. Okay, hold on. Mm, Sometimes getting more drinks is really important. Right. However. It's never so important that you have to murder. No, put it on the card. Charge it. Come on. Oh, no. This begins the whole thing of like, was it a dream? Did it really happen? Were they really there? Yeah. So so here's the murder. October 31st, 2001, a reporter named Kent Heitholt is found murdered in a parking lot. And nobody can say his name throughout the entire movie. No. Not even... (laughs) The love of my life, Kathleen Zellner. She <laughs> she trips on it like once. You guys would be the hottest power couple. Oh my god. Um. So then we get this like nine one one call. Someone calls nine one one. We don't get a lot of explanation on this. This call is made two years after the murder. Yeah. And it's this kid who likes to swear. All right, nine one one. Uh huh. This is not emergency, but I got something I really need to fucking say. Oh, okay. I know something that went down two years ago that I have to fucking say. Okay. All right. You know the reporter at the Tribune that was murdered and no one found out who it was? Uh-huh. I know what happened and I know the murderer. This is not an emergency. I just have something that I have to fucking say. Whoa. <laughs> and the dispatcher's like, okay. <laughs> The All dispatcher right. was just back from her break. She's like, yeah. "Oh, this is what a is lot. This? this is not. This is a waste of my time. This is not an emergency. This is nine one one. Put that shit in your journal where it belongs. If you have something to say, you need to get it off your chest. All right. Put that shit in your journal where it belongs. So what happens is this guy, this kid, Chuck Erickson, two years after the murder, calls nine one one and confesses. Yeah, and ropes in Ryan Ferguson with him. I want to say a little out of order here. The one thing that that is really interesting about this movie is that it is not really at all about the murder. No. It's all about this wrongful conviction. Right, which is the the shitty thing about wrongful convictions. And, and, and documentaries about them is that right. we don't know anything about the victim. We, <laughs> we don't know anything about this guy. No, one shitty thing about wrongful convictions. I should amend that. <laughs> one of the many shitty things. About... It's the only thing wrong with wrongful convictions. Yeah, is that the, it's a cliffhanger. <laughs> no. 
I just want to say, to be super clear, this guy Chuck is saying, like, me and my friend Ryan killed this guy. Right. And Ryan is like, come again? Yeah. So then we start to see the interrogation videos. And it goes back and forth between this kid Chuck and this kid Ryan. Yeah. And if you've seen one false confession, you've seen them all. I mean, this is right out of the playbook. It's true. To get someone to confess. So we see Chuck first. And the investigator is super aggressive. I'm going to be point blank with you, pal. Right now. Your hind end is the one that's hanging over the edge, and Ryan could care less about it. Okay? Okay? Do you understand me? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, you better start thinking very clearly. Okay. You better start thinking very clearly. And I'm like, no one can think clearly when someone's (laughs) screaming in their face and pointing a finger in their face. It's ridiculous. Right. Whose idea was it to go get money because you wanted... Drinks, you want dope, whatever you I want. I wanted to get on those. Ryan's idea. Ryan's idea. Chuck goes from saying, I have no idea what you're talking about, to I wanted to go home. It was all Ryan's idea. Under that bus, bitch. Yeah. I mean, just complete kicked him under the bus. Right. Not even threw him. <laughs> and then, so then we see the Ryan tape. And he's sitting in the chair, and, the co- and you can see this cop trying to butter him up. I'll be honest with you. I came in here because I got a boy your age. And I see that you're hurting in here. I can see you're hurting. You know, sometimes we do things to, to, we do things, and I don't know why we do it as human beings, and I even do it too. I do things that hurt myself. I mean, it's, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. I, I, I didn't do anything. I'm I heard innocent. You. Right. Because okay, so you're innocent of killing this guy. I'm innocent of even being there. I'm not involved in this in any way. So then we're back to Chuck, right? Uh Uh-huh. And again, out of the false confession playbook, where Chuck is like, well, I hit him once. And the cop goes, well, we know he was hit multiple times. Uh, And Chuck was like, right, I hit him once. I hit him once. Ryan hit him multiple times. Then the cop is like, and we know he was strangled. Can you tell us what you strangled him with? This. uh, I know. Is it possible that you know what he was strangled with and just didn't want to tell you? Because I I know. No, like, I think it was a shirt or something. Well, I know it wasn't a shirt. Like, uh, maybe a bungee cord or I don't Something from his car. I don't okay. see why he'd have a rope in his car. Well, we know for a fact that his belt was ripped off of his pants and he was strangled with his belt. Really? Yeah. I meant yep. belt. I meant belt. belt. I was I was saying belt, bungee, but belt. A belt very, is exactly what I meant, he totally. Wears a- but here's the other thing that made me crazy in this. As he's doing this, the stupid fucking garbage cop is sitting back in his chair. So, like, the front legs of the chair are, are, off, are off the ground and he's, like, dangling uh-huh. his legs. And I'm like, oh, man, I hope he falls. Oh, please fall. <laughs> Oh, please fall. You're such a piece of shit. Also, is it just me, or can you not see those two hanging out? Like, Oh, I yeah. Ryan and Chuck, they do not seem like they would be friends. Yeah, even. and we don't get into it, but I think Ryan, like, Chuck was super hammered and Ryan had to give him a ride home. That's the only way yeah, that they also, were together. Chuck, I can think? we talk about your drinking, sweetheart? And other, amongst other recreational it's activities? It's such a normal thing for you to be blackout drunk that you don't remember if you murdered a guy? I know. And then you're just going to confess to it anyway? I want to say that my go-to in the morning when I wake up and I know that I've done something really bad hammered is to just deny, deny, deny. Yeah. Sometimes when you're like scared, oh, did I text anybody? I know. (laughs) Okay, so now we meet Kevin Crane, garbage state prosecutor. He's the one who says like under Missouri law. That's that's where I got it from. First of all, we look at their age on November 1, 2001 when the murder occurred. Both these individuals were 17 
as of that day and at being age 17 is an adult under Missouri law. Mr. Erickson is charged with murder in the second degree. Ferguson is charged with murder in the first degree is punishable by life without parole or death. So then we get we also get a lot of these like really sad conversations of Ryan in prison like they didn't give him food that day. I was going to say it was kind of hilarious that like it's the first prison call Ryan gets to make from jail and like any teenage boy all he cares about is that he didn't get to eat that day. I know. Sweetie, you're about to go to the death chamber. <laughs> and they, Ryan is mad and he's sad and he's over it. And the dad's trying really hard to like not be patronizing but be like, can you have a better attitude about oh this? <laughs> the cop, I don't want to white trash motherfuckers on my son today. Not what? I'm sorry. Well, you got you kind of got to modify your, your attitude a little bit because it's not going to help you to have that real mean negative attitude. Ryan swears and, his, and then he apologizes to his I dad. Know. It's like, honey, you're in jail. It's yeah, like, it's let, totally let's fine. Let's let him get away with that one. Let's yeah, let him have that one. There's no like swear jar in jail, <laughs> which I'm sure the Fergusons had in their kitchen. So they ask for bail, obviously. And the judge is like, oh, you want bail? I'll show you bail. $20 million. And the thing is, this collective gasp in the courtroom, because it's like a, a world record for the highest bail ever for some my, kid. My favorite is that the dad wants to be like sarcastic back at the judge. Yeah. And I had this like, for a moment, felt like saying, would you take a check? <laughs> but I didn't. I have in my notes, I was like, these Fergusons have pluck. I like them. <laughs> and, and Bill, I have Bill Ferg in my notes. Um, we'll just call him Fergie. Yeah, Fergie. So Bill Ferg is like, okay, so um, I was traumatized for like a day. I let, my, I let it happen for a day. And then I just got to work. He gets 11 boxes of Discovery. <laughs> As time went on, I, I realized I needed to become proactive. You cannot just wait and hope it's going to work out. You've got to get involved in it. You need to find out everything you can as fast as you can. In December of 2004, I ended up with uh, 11 boxes of the Discovery. The Discovery is all the information the police have gathered. And he's like taking matters into his own hands. I hope he has a convertible. So he's like driving down the highway. Like, So now 18 months later, we're in the county jail. Ryan is the first one to stand trial. And it's all of the heartbreaking things of the family, like waving to him. Okay, but wait. They, so the mom blows him a kiss. The dad does the military salute. Did you notice that? Yes. <laughs> but Ryan is just like, you can see he's just scared to death. Well, yeah, because the farther this thing goes where he's like, I didn't do it. And then he's like in court for it. It's like, I how know. far is this thing gonna you go. know he wants to like turn in his wheelchair and okay bye bye have okay, a nice bye bye that's a patreon like, joke you guys it's like ryan's in a wheelchair he's a strapping 17 <laughs> year old boy is he ever oh, i'm just kidding i didn't i honestly didn't think he was that hot until the end yeah because he's not a monster right exactly he doesn't want to roast anybody oh god remember that <laughs> asshole the evidence in this case will be that on october 31st 2001 erickson walked up and struck the victim in the head with a tire tool. Thereafter, the defendant strangled the victim to death. And yeah. this is where we also learn that there's no physical evidence. I think of you every time I hear that yeah. in one of these documentaries. No physical evidence, case dismissed. Yeah, and the one witness is a guy who's prone to blackouts <laughs> and confessed two years later and whose story makes zero sense. So, hey, let's put them both away for the rest of their lives. Exactly. So now, Chuck takes the stand. Chuck takes the stand. <laughs> you guys think of that yet? No? Great. <laughs> 
He does no. not look well, girl. No, he doesn't. He's going through some shit. Yeah. So we, we learn a little bit about like why this happened. On the second anniversary of the murder, they had something in the newspaper about it. They talked about it. They talked about this man and his life and 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 what he'd done. They talked about the murder and they, they had composite sketches. And I started to think about that night. What he says is seeing this newspaper article like triggered these snapshot memories in uh-huh. his mind. And he couldn't at first he couldn't tell. Am I just like imagining that I was there? Was I really there? I don't know. And he just, for whatever reason, airs on the side of, yeah, I'm going to say I was there. <laughs> Like, <laughs> and you know what else? My friend was totally there too. What on earth yeah. are you thinking? And now that I'm thinking about it, thank you for reminding me. There's this guy Dallas that we saw at the intersection. So he was also there. So let's rope Dallas into this too. Why don't we? Okay, you guys, it's crazy, and none of it happened. None of it. We'll happened. get there. I just gotta say because she's with us throughout. We they 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 do this one interview with this journalist named Erin Moriarty from Forty Eight Hours. She's but she said, yeah, we didn't know whether he was innocent or guilty. We thought it was a fabulous story. We just thought it was a fabulous case. I was like, Erin. <laughs> So excited to be in a documentary. Yeah. And so the, here's the thing. Chuck looks like he's completely hypnotized. And then he's just like, nope, I'm 100% certain me and Ryan Ferguson committed this crime. Tell us now if it was all a dream. I did this. He did this. I didn't dream anything. What was your level of certainty about your involvement and Ryan Ferguson's involvement in this murder? It was 100%. On the stand, I'm 100% guilty. It's chilling. Are we ready for the cross-examination? All right, Charlie Rogers. Are you ready for the derpy music I found to play under this? Yes. <laughs> I love that in Cannibal Cop, by the way. Totally. Loved it. All I have is cross-examination. She's a mess. Okay, Charlie Rogers <laughs> is Ryan's defense attorney. And apparently he's like a fancy defense attorney. Whatever. I- this goes off the rails real quick. <laughs> real quick. Here's when it's like, oh, oh, God. Oh, yeah. God, it's over. <laughs> When the defense attorney, you guys, Charlie Rogers, he calls Chuck Erickson Mr. Ferguson. You guys. And Crane so is so happy to have the to correct him. The prosecutor. So happy to correct him. Okay, so then what happens is they're, they're, they're playing the interrogation tapes, right? They're playing the videos. The family is saying how they wanted these videos played because you see that Chuck is being fed oh, the yeah. information. So they're playing the videos. You cannot understand. You can't see them. No. You can't hear them. The a juror stands up and he's like, oh, your honor, we can't understand what they're saying. Yeah. Bill Ferguson is also like, he was also just painful to listen to because he would take these long pauses. <laughs> yeah. Then they cut to the audio. They cut to the courtroom and he's not saying anything. And the audio is just like crinkle, crinkle, <laughs> <laughs> crinkle, crinkle. I don't have paper to make noises, but that's what it is. And I was like, okay, I love when filmmakers throw a little shade in there. The Mr. Ferguson, you see the dad literally do the face palm on his forehead. Yeah, like, like uh, yeah. 
So now he's got the defense attorney. He's got this big blown up map. Right. I don't even know to what end, but it was going to be like to show where everything was and how they couldn't have possibly been there, blah, blah, blah. You see Mr. Ferguson, he's like, we offered to label that map for him. Right. That's our backyard. We, we know. We live in this town. Right. We we got this. And Rogers, Derpy Rogers is like, no, 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 no worries. Like, we'll handle it. We'll label it ourselves. Right. And then Bill's like, yeah, he labeled everything wrong. Yeah. So much so that the prosecution has to like correct him and relabel it for him. The prosecutor gets up and he's like, that's not where the diner is. The diner's over there. And right. then I was like, what kind of monster? doesn't know where the local diner is. I know, or the pizza joint. God, get it together. <laughs> and then more shade from, from Bill Ferg. He's like, our esteemed attorney never even walked the crime scene. The whole time I'm watching this this defense attorney, yeah. I'm thinking, she is going to be in so much trouble with Kathleen Zelder. Yes. <laughs> Kathleen Zelder's going to be so mad at you. Yeah, or you know what? She's going to walk in. She'll be like, all right, I'll fix it. <laughs> Okay, you guys, now we're up to um, Shauna Ornt. Mm-hmm. Shauna Ornt is the one witness. She's also a janitor. Yeah, she works at the Tribune, which is where the murder victim worked. Worked and where he was killed. He was killed right. in the parking lot, like leaving work or whatever. Shauna Ornt, I saw this woman and I was immediately so fascinated by her. Yeah. I don't know why, but she's on the stand. She looks at the same time super strong and as frail as like a, uh, something that's very frail. Yes. <laughs> She seems like it hasn't gone great for her. Yeah. Well, she we learned she that she was bullied. So here's the Shauna story yeah. as we know it, like currently in the documentary. Right? I love I'm obsessed with Shauna. The she Shauna comes back. Story. She's kinda of, she gets a hero bell later. When Crane calls Shauna Art as a witness, he had to call her. She was the only witness who actually drew not only one composite, she drew two composites. She's the only one who actually saw the murderer. Right. So she drew two composites with a detective of the murderer. Yeah. And the thing is, it looks like a generic white guy. Uh-huh. It, it, it just looks like it, it looks as much like Ryan as it doesn't look like Ryan. It, and the thing is, because Bill Ferguson explains this to us, no, neither lawyer asked her that that like show-stopping scene in right. a, a Columbo or Perry Mason or whatever, where it's like, is the is the is this guy in the in the court? room right now exactly and for th- for her to be like yes he's right there your honor and it's like <gasps> like that moment never happened right so here you've got the only person that could identify the person in the parking lot at the time uh, of the murder neither the defense or the prosecution would ask her what she saw you guys now we meet jerry trump fellow janitor slash child molester uh-huh. i'm also assuming not related to the president his name is jerry trump yeah he's again a child molester he spent time in prison for that but he's a super great incredible witness so we we get that like this guy's story is he has this moment where he sees the murderer mm-hmm. then he's in jail and his wife for being a sex offender for being a sex offender <laughs> his wife sends him a newspaper which is folded in just such a way that when he unfolds it he sees the pictures of <laughs> Chuck and Ryan when you saw those do you see in the courtroom here today one of the individuals that you saw at Mr. Highholt's vehicle on the early morning hours of November 1, 2001. Yes, I do. Could you point him out for us, please? The defendant. Yeah, it's what's interesting is that you would think that maybe two years ago you would go to the police with information that you witnessed a murder. <laughs> Not while you're also still married and in prison for being a sex offender. You guys, he's a child molester. <laughs> 
So then you guys, Ryan takes, takes the stand. stand. If you know anything about true crime documentaries, <laughs> if you've listened to one other episode of right. TCO, you know that you never testify in your own defense. Never. Ever. Ever. Nobody knows that better than Ryan's dad. Oh my God. This confirms, in my mind, my worst fear that we're going to lose this case. I, you know, I get to talk to Ryan just before he goes up and realize he's not even been prepared to be a witness. And now we're back to Aaron Moriarty outside, uh-huh. who thinks the sex offender is a super credible witness, <laughs> critiques Ryan. Ryan Ferguson, who took the stand, did not, did not show a lot of passion. He just wasn't passionate enough on the stand. Oh, my God. I believe you testified on direct. You thought Chuck was an odd man. Yes. You think that's funny? I think he's an odd man, yes. You think that's funny? It's not funny. Okay. I just thought you were smiling. I thought you thought it was funny. No, it's not a funny okay. laugh. Well, I mean, it, this is America. If you want to laugh, you can. No, it's not a laugh. What, what Crane is trying to do is he's trying to, he's trying to provoke Ryan, and he's trying to get him to show anger and to be like, see, he can totally strangle and beat somebody uh-huh. to death. And then the jury goes out to deliberate. You guys are only out for five and a half hours. I that know. is never good news, girl. Also, it was day five of the trial. This happened quick. Real fast. <clears throat> As to count one... We, the jury, find that defendant Ryan William Ferguson, uh, guilty of murder in the second degree, as submitted in instruction number 11. Uh, Madam Foreman, is this the verdict of the jury? Guess what? He's found guilty, you guys. Yeah, of course he is. We wouldn't be here if he wasn't. So Ryan gets 40 years. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. So after he's found guilty, they asked family members to make statements because the jury was going to determine the punishment. That was I didn't know that that was a thing in Missouri. I didn't know that either. And this is where you see the dad come up. This is the shot that you, we got right in the beginning. Yes. The dad comes up and sits on the stand. Have you done what you could to try and demonstrate Ryan's innocence? You know, um, I thought up to a few minutes ago I had. But apparently... I, Obviously, since I'm an amateur at this, I'm going to learn a lot more about this. And I'm going to prove my son's innocent, and so will my family. And he's like, my son's not guilty, and I'm going to prove it. Yeah, and he does. I know. (laughs) The thing that is really kind of crazy and heartbreaking is that now we're seeing, there's like another whole montage of how close the dad and Ryan were. Yeah. And they were like, it was kind of weird they were going on like cross-country trips together like just the two of them and i wrote like the women didn't want to go probably not yeah that car stank you know like burping just Uh out loud burping not showering no and the thing is they're like already in missouri like we're just we're new yorkers being like that sounds so far it was probably like a weekend they went camping a couple times like it's not that big a deal but we're sheltered new yorkers who are like is that is that the out of doors yeah oh my god what time zone is it what's happening do they have phones there well can i just say one more thing what the dad loves pointing out how much more fit Ryan was than anybody else in his age group. He was like, his calves were gigantic. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that even mean? He was very fit. He had the largest calves uh, of uh, any child his age. He, just, he was just a great physical specimen. Whoa, dad, we get it. Mm-hmm. Listen, no argument here, girl. I was going to say, look, if anyone gets it, it's Patrick. You don't Hines. need to tell me, sweetheart. <laughs> so this is when Bill's like, so I took a day to be traumatized, and then I just got to work. I started going down to the crime scene, walking through the crime scene, walking all around within three or four blocks every night. I'd like to go down when the moon was full, because the night that the crime took place was a full moon, and the temperature was about 60 degrees. 
I would go down, say, at 1 o'clock in the morning or mid midnight, I'd stay down until like maybe 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning. It was just me and a couple of straight cats. And the thing is, like, good for him, man. He didn't know how to start this. So he's like, all exactly. right, our lawyer didn't go to the crime scene. I feel like that's pretty obvious. Maybe I'll just go there and see what happens. And girl, he does it. I know. So the dad is getting better and better at this, like, investigative thing. Uh-huh. And he has been advised to not, like, reach out to the witnesses. And he's like, I get that. But I also see why I could reach out to the witnesses. Yeah, he's going rogue. He's, he's like, totally I'm going to do what I'm going to go on the online. And he, find went, these. he went on the online yeah. and he made a website yeah. where basically people could, like, like, basically write in with tips who Jillian tell the people who reached out and was like girl we need to talk Shauna Orant the janitor the only person that had actually seen the alleged perpetrator of the crime and had drawn two composites she agreed to meet me in the parking lot where the crime had taken place uh, in the late afternoon the dad's like great meet me at the crime scene which by the way might be super traumatizing for her meet me at that place where you watch that guy get murdered with his own belt yeah and then he's or did he right. I don't know right. and he sweetly says like if it'll make you feel comfortable to bring a friend or a husband like that's totally fine too like he's so Shauna sweet. shows up with her husband and 14 children yes <laughs> there's a video of them talking in the parking lot uh-huh. it's kind of amazing video it's fascinating it's like the dad of the guy who was convicted and the one person who knows what really happened. Right, because remember, the lawyers didn't do that whole blockbuster moment, is he in the courtroom right now? Because the defense was afraid that she would say, yes, he's right there, and the prosecution was afraid that she would say, no, he's not here. Because, as she tells us now, she's like one zillion percent sure it was not Ryan. Yeah. So, so he's looking right in your face, and you got a good look at his face. And, and when you were in, in court... You had a good look at Ryan's face. Oh, I've had more than one good look, yeah. Okay, and you absolutely would say 100% that that was not Ryan Ferguson. He is not, the, he is not the guy. If anything, it would be Eric Sam, or yeah, Eric Sam. Yeah. It's the one that looks more like my picture, but I still don't think he was the one that was there either. So now, remember Dallas, that guy Dallas that Chuck said that they saw at the intersection? Like, just somebody else they roped into this mess? Yeah, so this guy Dallas was apparently in his car, stopped at a, at a stoplight at the intersection right outside of this parking lot. Right, the bar called By George, which is <laughs> when they were like, real quick, instead of hitting up the ATM, I'm just going to murder this dude real quick, and then go back into the bar. <laughs> right. So stupid. Right, 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 right. So Bill, during all of his like late night strolls to the crime scene, realizes that at that time of night, because it's a, a big intersection, but it's kind of like a sleepy town. Yeah. So at that time of night, it's flashing yellow. If that, inter- if that light at that intersection is flashing yellow at one o'clock, then it was flashing yellow that night of the murder. At 2.15. So there's no way that Dallas Mallory would be stopped at that intersection that at, uh, Erickson and Ryan could have walked over to have a conversation. That's when I realized that's not that wasn't even possible. So Dallas was never called. And Bill's like, boop, 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 boop. Hello, Dallas. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dallas. Hey, girl. Hey, Bill Ferg again. <laughs> We're going to get my son out of prison. You in? <laughs> Dallas is like, Totally. <laughs> So Dallas is like, sure, girl, like, when do you need me? Yeah. And Bill's like, funny you should ask, because it's 2008, and we have this evidentiary hearing, and this new public defender named Valerie Leftwich, who's, like, awesome and and actually working, actually doing research. Her sister is right, witch. Yes, I do. (laughs) Speaking of dad jokes. (laughs) So the thing about Dallas is that he is on the stand, and he's like, oh, no, 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 I actually couldn't have been there. Why? Well, because I didn't have a vehicle or a license at that time. Girl, he says automobile. (laughs) He does? Yes, he most certainly does. They told me I saw him in a car that I was driving with two females. 
which I couldn't have been driving. Why not? I had no license or automobile at the time. And why would that? Due to DWI conviction. When they dropped the Dallas bombshell that he like had a DUI and didn't have a car or a vehicle, <laughs> it like the camera pans to the audience in the court and it cuts to these two cops and one of them is sound asleep. <laughs> really? <laughs> He's, he's got this big belly, and he's just, like, resting his hands on his belly, and his eyes are closed, Perfect. and his mouth is hanging open. Of course. That's good police work right <laughs> you, there. You know that his, like, his fellow officers saw that? They watched the documentary, and they're like, oh, Larry. Oh, Larry. Oh, God, Larry. Get God. your blood sugar checked, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have to talk about prison pizza? It's so sad. <laughs> Should we let Ryan explain to people what prison pizza is? Prison pizza. You take ramen noodles and graham crackers, crunch it up into a powder, essentially. Put it in the trash bag, and then you pour boiling water on it. Let that sit for two or three minutes, whatever. And it actually, you know, turns into like this ball of dough, essentially. You can flatten it out, and that's your crust. You put refried beans on top of it, and then you put chili on top of that. You can put anything you want, but that's what I'm, these are the best. It's taken years to develop. Tuna, summer sausage, just cut it up, throw it on there, uh, pickles, and then crunch up some sour cream and onion chips, sprinkle that on, a little bit of ranch, even a little bit of honey is good too, so that's it. Not since roasting women have I heard anything that turned my stomach more. It's just, the I'm like, tuna and ham? <laughs> you guys... Kathleen Zellner has entered the game. Uh, <laughs> She's here. Uh, this story is amazing. She's like talking about how she's like, what? you know that Kathleen Zellner lives for the Oxygen Channel. She lives for like the A&E, like true yes. crime documentaries. She tries to toss it off like she's just casually watching 48 Hours. Like she doesn't DVR that shit every totally. single day. And just have a running commentary with her husband being like, this bitch. I fucked this up too. God, do I have to save everybody? I was watching one of those programs, 48 Hours, with my husband, and I watched it, and I could tell when Ryan testified, he was not prepared correctly. I wrote his name down on a piece of paper, and I told my husband, I said, if, he, if his family contacts me, I'm going to take this case pro bono. And at the same time, Ryan gets a letter in prison, someone saying, like, you should reach out to this Kathleen Zelda person because yeah. this is kind of what she does. Bill Ferguson goes on the online, he goes to <laughs> AOL.com and logs into his, like, Bill Fergie dad 78 I at wish, AOL. I wish I could make a, a really good uh, dial-up noise. I can't. No. I've tried. <laughs> yeah. That's what he does. So he emails her and he's like, here's the story. He was like, it was the middle of the night. He goes, I work crazy hours trying to get my son out of prison. Like, he just has a lot on his plate. Bill, girl, we get it. You're busy. And the next morning at noon, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it. The phone rings and it's Kathleen's owner. I said, come and walk the crime scene with me and visit Ryan. And she said, and this is one of the top attorneys in the United States. She says, how about weekend after next? What's funny about that is when we get into like making a murder, we're season two. It takes Kathleen Zellner like two years to get back to the Avery family. I know. <laughs> I know. She doesn't return every email right away. No, but this one, like, she wrote his name down. Exactly, I just love that so exactly. much. So then we get a little Kathleen Zellner to camera. Yes, uh. and she's like, "My brothers were terrified." Now. <laughs> I definitely don't like to lose. I'm going to kill you if I'm in combat with you. So my brothers were terrified of me. Um, 
She says the whole thing with a smile. The most yeah. believable, almost lovable smile. Yes. And you were like, oh my God. Yeah, and she's like, well, you have to be a badass like me because no one's going to believe you that you're going to spring somebody out of prison when there's a witnesses to this so-called murder. Totally. Like with Ryan, I mean... He's getting out, I can guarantee it. You have to have that force of personality because who's going to believe you? You can't come in there like, you know, well, it's just, I'm killing time here. Because she's so good. Yeah. Because she says that about Avery, too, and we'll get there on the Patreon, you guys, if you want to hang out with us, make your murderer. <laughs> um, but she's like, you'd have to be an idiot to hire me, and you're guilty, because I'll find out. Exactly. And then I'll prosecute you double, because you don't want to cross her. <laughs> then she, she'll be like, this bitch, really? you got to fry him in the death chamber, and then fry him again. Yeah, and I'm going to watch, or whatever. <laughs> Captain, I Can I throw you. that toggle? Yeah, right. You know she's done that at least once. <gasps> you think she has? Yeah. Do you really think she would like me in real life? Yes, okay. I do. Okay, that's really, it's really important to me. I do, I do think, I, I, I said yes and then I thought about it and then I was like, you know, yes. Because you can be honest with me. You guys, breaking news, Kathleen Zellner's going to be at the Pride Show. Get tickets. <gasps> I wish, don't say that. You guys, she's not really going to be there, but buy tickets anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be there. Maybe we'll get a drag queen to come as Kathleen Zellner. That would <gasps> be my, f- you shouldn't have told me that. I know. That should have been your big surprise. You guys, we're getting drag queens. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, yeah. So, Bill, the thing is, like, Kathleen Zellner loves Bill. Yeah, Because she's of like, he has this crazy, he's just like me. Bill wanted somebody to take over the case that would get into all the detail and understand it and go to the crime scene with him and go back to the crime scene with him. I mean, he knows all the police reports by number. He knows the paragraphs. He has that kind of very detailed mind that I think really matters in a case like this. So now we get this crazy bonkers situation where Ryan gets this like letter from Chuck. Chuck is the one that like that is made this whole thing up. Yeah. Saying, um, you know, no rush, no big deal. But like next time your lawyer's in town, I'd like to see her. Zellner is on the next plane. She's like, oh yes. So Kathleen Zellner goes to visit him and get this videotape statement. Yeah. May I call you Chuck? Uh Mr. Eric's Mr. Eric. Okay. It's like, girl, first of all, we're calling you Chuck the whole time. And who are you? Even more so now. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Erickson. Take that tone with Kathleen Zellner. Are you kidding me? You you could tell she was probably like, all right, Chuck. (laughs) She totally calls him Chuck in her head forever now. The thing is, she thinks that he's going to be like, just kidding, I made the whole thing up. No. No, he doubles down. He doubles down, but he's saying he did the whole thing by himself. Are you saying today that you are the sole murderer of Kent Heidhold? That's correct, yes. Are you kidding me? There were too many evidentiary points that showed that they were both innocent, so I really was completely thrown by the fact that he gave me that story. We're back to Jerry Trump now. Oh, God. Oh, her. So Bill, go, Bill's like, this, there's something really weird about the sex offender just miraculously identifying my son and this guy two years after the fact when he's in prison totally. for molesting kids. Weird. Maybe yeah. I'll look into it. Yeah, and he's also like, my detective skills are getting really good, you guys. I'm really good at this. <laughs> he he dis- calling. He discovers how to give things a gook is yeah. what happens. He's like, I <laughs> learned that I can get information about anybody. I realized as Jerry Trump is testifying that his wife had sent him the newspaper article. And then I realized, much to my great surprise, that there is no documentation that anybody had talked to uh, Mrs. Trump. So he gives her a gook and he finds her. And he's like, I felt really confident showing up to her front door. I've watched a lot of episodes of Perry Mason. (laughs) I looked pretty official. uh, And I felt pretty confident because I used to watch Perry Mason. And... uh, I think I learned a lot there. He says it with no irony. No, it's that's not, why I love it. He says it like he really means it. Right, like that's a per. That's basically law school. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. 
And he came up with his own interrogation technique called the figure eight. <laughs> Where you ask a series of questions and then you loop back and re-ask them in a different way. And if they answer in a positive way both times, then you know they're telling the truth. If they don't tell the truth to start out with and you ask the follow-up question and they change their answer, then you know you're, you're dealing with a witness that has no credibility. So the point is, she knows nothing about the newspaper. She never sent yeah. it. It's all bullshit, obviously. And then she's like, um, can you tell me your name one more time? Right. And he's like, Bill Ferguson. And she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> you're Ryan. F- I should probably not be talking to you. And Bill's like, well, bye. Bill shaped the <laughs> hole in the door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, girl. Well, bye. Bye. (laughs) So now Zellner's like, no one really likes when I show up. It happens all the time. I take it as a compliment. (laughs) She is just like, you can try and stop me, but I'm getting justice. You bitches. Their first tack was to try to get us off the case, get us disqualified. That didn't work. Um... And we've had people do that before. I always take it as a compliment. You know, they've tried to threaten us. They've, you know, tried to report us to the Illinois Disciplinary Commission. Um, I mean, this has been down and dirty the whole way. That's adorable. My brothers tried to stop me, but I beat the shit out of them, too. <laughs> you can try and stop me, but I'm getting justice, the you Kathleen, bitches. <laughs> Kathleen Zellner story. You guys, we're making a t-shirt. That's going to be a t-shirt. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with her. So she's explaining, like, this has been down and dirty the whole time. They didn't yes. like that she was this big, high, powerful lawyer because they were just like, oh. I know. We want, oh, we have to reopen the case. Like, oh, <laughs> Kathleen, stop making it difficult. So we're at another hearing, right? Yeah, there's a lot of these. And Chuck admits... He was on Adderall, booze, (laughs) cocaine, and he was 100% blacked out, can't remember a thing, and turns out this is like a typical Tuesday for Chuck. Yes. Chuck would get blackout hammered on all the things and then still be functioning, though. Yeah. And he'd, like, get in trouble. He'd, like, deface property or he'd do all this stuff, so... He would black out a lot, and now he can't tell if he murdered someone. That's when you... (laughs) So now Jerry Trump takes the stand. This is amazing. And he almost didn't do it. By the way, just to catch you all up to speed, he made up his whole story. Yeah, everyone lied about everything. Yeah. (laughs) So he's like, oh, I I don't know if I should do this. I just, like, converted to Mormonism. And Kathleen threw laughing the entire time. (laughs) She's like... And I told him my grandmother was a Mormon. um, And I told him he had to do this. As a human being, he had to do this. Was it a lie? I don't know. That's why I love it. But through her smirk, she's like, I just told him my grandmother was a Mormon. Exactly. And Joseph Smith says you have to do this. You it's have fine. to do it. It's fine. Girl. And he gets, the thing is, he kind of actually, maybe I'm a sucker. Don't, don't, don't you dare. I just wanted to say My that, hand like, is right over the bell. Don't do it. I have to do it, especially since I've been pre-belled. So he <laughs> That's is, first. So he's asked, like, are you expecting anything or do you want anything for this testimony? He's supposed to say no. He says yes. And it's like, <gasps> clutch the pearls. Yeah. I'd like to have forgiveness from Ryan and his, and his family. No. <laughs> On behalf of the Fergusons, No. <laughs> I gotta tell you, my husband, who works with me now at our home, was sitting across from me in our dining room, and I was watching that moment, and I was trying so hard not to cry. Oh, please! (laughs) Sex offender! I'm gonna, I just dinged myself. Yes, you most certainly did. And also, Ryan is like, you really have to respect him. No, you most certainly don't! (laughs) What? I hate when that happens, it's like, you really have to respect him for finally doing the right thing all these years later, and also, he's a sex offender! He's a child molester! He put you in jail! I mean, enough. 
oh my god <laughs> kevin crane is now fighting with kathleen zellner you guys what did she say you're gonna lose so kevin crane is the prosecutor that put ryan ferguson away he's now a judge yeah who convinced chuck to say all those lies and, exactly. and bullied shauna he's and a nightmare right. he's a bad bad man as daisy would say <laughs> it's kind of amazing to see he and kathleen zellner going at it totally sparring totally sparring and it ends with her laughing at him well yeah if i did what you're accusing me of doing no no mr going trump in and saying no, well, no. it's in your petition. Right, Saying, well, it's Mr. Trump. Hi, Jerry. I know you've never seen this before. Here's what I need you to do. Perjure no, no. yourself. No, 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 no. I no. wouldn't have gotten in and may have gone to prison myself. Right, but before we have you going to prison. The point is where he keeps trying to, like, out Zellner Zellner, and you right. can't do it. <laughs> you can't do it. Stop. Right. So six months after this hearing, they lose. Because when you're watching it, you're like, oh, Zellner did it. Yeah. Movie's over. Nope. But you know what? Thank God, because Zellner has a Zellner <gasps> zinger. Ooh, do Zellner we just, a zinger. zinger. Yes. <laughs> because Kathleen Zellner is pissed off. She she has those like angry tears. Well, she just wants to actually flip a table, yeah, girl. Totally. Call me. It was um I was so angry with him. I felt like calling him and saying, You're a disgrace. You're a disgrace to this profession. But then I thought, no. I will take the opinion apart. I will do this and I will take it apart and I will show the world that you are incompetent. And that'll be my revenge. But you guys, they had a backup plan. They sort of just took it to the streets because then, as Bill says, they started making YouTubes (laughs) and they got on the social meds and they just got the word out and they got people talking. One, that puts heat on the case. It became a movement. West Memphis 3, it's the same thing. Just people, you have to keep the conversation going. You can never stop talking about it because then it'll go into the void. Exactly. It's awful. So now they're at like another court of appeals. What Zellner is saying, and for those of you who watched the second part of Making a Murderer, you'll you know this. She talks about these Brady violations. Yeah, she was able to show that there were all these Brady violations, and that means that Prosecutor Crane and uh, and his lieutenants had hidden that evidence, evidence so strong that it would change the the opinion of a jury. That is a direct violation of the Constitution. Thank you, Counsel. Thank you. It was an honor to appear. The case is now submitted and the court will be in recess. So now, after nine and a half years in prison, Ryan is 29 years old. It turns out, again, we're back to 48 hours. They're, the parents are doing an interview for 48 hours about, like, any day now we're expecting this decision. It's, so they get word that there's a decision from this case from from the from the hearing, yeah. right? It's either, like, Ryan's staying in jail forever or he's going to be released. Right. Yeah. Parents are together, but they're separated. Totally. You know, they're not, like, together, together, but they're coming together for this. <laughs> And Zellner calls. Yeah. And I love that the dad has her in his phone as, what is it, like KZ? KZ Cell. Yeah. <laughs> KZ. Oh, I love it. My favorite attorney. Our favorite attorney. Kathleen. Today? No way. Just, just a second. Just a second. Let me put you on speaker. What the order says is they're ordering his release. Whoa. <laughs> Do we know what time? We're on the way. Who cares what time? Yeah, all right. I'm so excited. They're not ordering him to go back to any court. Good. They're saying he's to be discharged. I'm in shock. Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Okay. Bye. 
Ryan is getting out of prison today. It happened like it's that. It's over. And the mom goes, what time? She goes, who cares what time? He's getting out, girl. Which I loved it. So yeah. everyone's like, they're taking off his shackles. He's hugging them. It's the most, I mean, if you don't cry, you are a monster. Our monster. Like, it's the most emotional. He's like, excuse me while I go get my son. Oh, press I was conference Later, it's just, he's out. Yeah. And so Kathleen Zelder makes this point where she's like, this is great. Uh, there are like at least 20,000 innocent people in prison right now. <laughs> so my job here is done. And there's only one Kathleen Zellner, you guys. But there's a Bill Ferguson. I know. Who like is like advising on cases he now. He totally he's is. A, yeah, I, so Bill, because he knows how to use the Google now, yes. he advises, because he can Google like, did this person do it? Right. And get like the article from the New York Times. Right, exactly. He's advising on cases. Yes. And then we had, you know, this heartbreaking thing, which happens all the time, is that Ryan is saying like, I can't find peace. I, I, yeah. I spent my entire adult life in prison. I'm 30 and I don't know how to be a 30 year old. It's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so, you know how we always say, like, don't end on forgiveness? Yes. Okay, Kathleen Zellner ends this with just sheer terror that this can happen <laughs> to any one of us at any moment, any time. I know that a lot of people, Ryan's age, they think, oh, this could never happen to me. Trust me, this could happen to you. Absolutely. If you tell people that two eyewitnesses put you at a murder scene, uh, one of whom says that you committed the murder with him, you're going down. <laughs> That was great. That was great, right? I haven't seen all of the second half of Making a Murder. I haven't either. I stopped when we decided we were going to do it for Patreon. Uh, that reminds me, you guys. So just a reminder, if you're looking to binge a ton mm. of TCO, we've got episode-by-episode coverage of The Staircase of Serial, The Jinx. Some people are saying The Jinx is our best work. Really? I do think The Jinx Episode 6 is one of the funniest things we've ever done. I truly loved every minute of the prep Same. of the recording of yep. all of it I'm gonna miss it it's pretty stellar you guys there's so much content on the Patreon it's all commercial free join the fam support us oh it's, it's so Christmas much fun time. over there <laughs> and come to our live shows yes. you know what makes a great gift a ticket to the live show Ooh. just a reminder we're gonna do two live shows on February 9th in New York City a 5pm meetup if you wanna meet people to go to the show with yeah. I'm gonna be there I'm hosting it Yeah. you guys the Pride show is gonna be insane it's at a theater there's gonna be drag Queens and me and Jillian. We're doing the Stonewall documentary. We just want to meet the shit out of you. So come to our shows. Yes. I love that we're just not even first build on our own live show. Drag queens and gay stuff and us. Girl, what are we doing next? Oh, even the title of it makes me a little scared. I know. Abducted in plain sight. We're doing Abducted in plain sight. So many people have asked for it. You guys, the very night of our first live show, the director sent us an email and asked us if we consider covering it. And guess what? We're doing it we're and we're going to get an interview with the director in a few <gasps> weeks down the road. Yes, for Patreon. For Patreon. Uh, and don't forget, you guys, there's a Patreon pre-sale happening right now for our Chicago and New Orleans shows. Patreon fam, check your emails for a ticket link. Tickets go on sale for everyone on Wednesday. You can get all the details on the CS Live page of our website. Um, We don't know what our palette cleanser is going to be. We haven't decided yet. No. I will think of something great and surprise us all when we get to the Yay. end. Stay tuned for the trailer for Abducted in Plain Sight, yeah. our amazing outtakes. TM, 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 TM. And then the surprising palette cleanser. Yay, I'm excited. Love you guys. Love you, bye. Bye. Mr. Birchhold had such an effervescent, wonderful personality. We became very good friends. He was so engaged with the kids, too. I mean, he really was fun. and He could give me a great feeling about myself. I was attracted to him. Jan Broberg and Robert Birchhold had an unnatural relationship. 
I loved him as deeply as I've ever loved anyone. My brother was always a sexual pervert. He always did like his little girls. Bert Schultz said, I want to take Jan out horseback riding. When she didn't come home, I was a little nervous. It was a nationwide search. Jan went with me voluntarily. They bring in aliens and mind washing. The mission was that I was to have a child that would save the alien planet by the time I turned 16. The Brobergs say the attacks still continue. If you're laying a trap for me, I'll kill you. His number one goal was to seduce Jan Broberg. And if he had to destroy the family, he would do it. There'll never be anybody for me but Jan. Never. Remember that transition from going to Google.com and then putting things in the search box to now you just do it in the search bar at the yeah. top of the screen? Yeah. That took a minute for me to get used to. Sometimes it's annoying where it's like, no, I don't want to go to the... I just want to go to Google. Stop making it difficult to give you a goop. I don't want to see anybody get railroaded by the system, but it was nice to see that it wasn't a person of color this time. I mean... You know what I mean? Yeah. I would not do well in jail. No. Every time people are in jail and they get mad that they're in solitary, I'm like, that's exactly where I'd want to be. I know. And that, that's saying a lot because that's what you hate more than anything <laughs> is being away from people. But in prison, it's like, oh, just put me no. in the hole, man. I'll take the mental anguish <laughs> over anything else any day. Ooh, I'll take yikes. the mental anguish. <laughs> yikes. Everyone is like, wait, what? I'm sorry. I just tried to do a, a, a cacophony of people um, being surprised, cacophony. and then it just made me choke. Yes, but I saw it was, you were very animated, your whole body I was, was trying to it. do a... Yeah, gasp, gasp, yeah. hubbub, 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 watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. I want to I want to make it clear for the record, every time you say blackout drunk, you're not referring to me. Not directly. Well, not today. <laughs> That's just straight Red Bull, not a Red There's Bull There's no Chardonnay. Red Bull Chardonnay today. I just wanted to say, quick breaking news. Yeah. Uh, Ryan really liked the notebook. <laughs> and so did this He's really like, scary roommate. <laughs> Ryan, come snuggle me. I will I will scratch your back and rub your head. <laughs> Put your head on my lap. <laughs> I don't know when I started making them, but I just dad jokes just come to you once you become a dad. Yeah, I think that's kind of how it works, right? <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, the math adds up on that one. <laughs> it's my happy ending. Now it's time to say goodnight We can stop pretending Tell the spotlight man turn off my light Cause the show is done now And it's time to leave the stage Yeah, the good guy won now And the band has no more songs to play It's a happy ending So I'll say goodbye Up here, I'll take my bow and disappear. No questions left for answering. There's only one word left to sing goodbye. It's a happy ending to the greatest show on earth. Now the curtain's descending, and I hope you got your money. Show now, cuz 